Well, hello. Welcome back to the Christ Community Church podcast, or welcome to the first time people who are checking us out. Uh, we appreciate this is a place where pastors can get together and talk about the, the sermon and follow up, which uh, on Sunday was done by Blake here, our high school pastor. So I'm Ryan, by the way, the interim teaching pastor, and that's Blake, the high school pastor. Hey, guys. So Blake, you got to talk about Cain and Abel. Yeah. That's a, uh, you know, it's a story that many are familiar with. It's not one that we necessarily dive into in like children's ministry because that coloring picture doesn't look quite as good <laughs> as the others. Uh, how, how do you feel when you started kind of exploring the Cain and Abel story? Is this something that is really familiar for you? Did you have a hard time kind of going deeper into it? Or what were like just your initial thoughts as you kind of saw the passage and started diving in? Yeah, <clears throat> that's a good question. Uh, I just can't stop thinking about children's ministry having a coloring book of Cain killing his brother Abel. <laughs> By the way, fun story. There was a time where I was on vacation with my family when I was in high school and my sister said something rude to me and I happened to be reading the Bible and I was like, oh yeah. And I pointed right to the verse where it said, and then Cain killed his brother Abel. And like just, I was just going to read whatever it said. I don't know why that was just like, I was going to use the Bible to shame her. And that was the verse that I happened to read. And I was like, well, uh, you know, that was, how'd that work out? That is, that's very funny. Um, yeah, I think going into this, when you asked me to preach on this, um, I, I was wrestling a little bit cause it, it took me some time to think about, okay, what's the, what's the real problem here? You know, it's, it's easy to point out, Hey, Cain murdered his brother. Is that really the problem here? Like, is that the, the big issue here? And you can say yes. It's definitely a problem. Absolutely. But there, there had to have been a root. Like there, there is a reason why he killed his brother. It wasn't just because of no reason at all. It's, there was a root to it. So it, it did take me some time to just study it, understand it a little bit more and go, okay, I can kind of, I see Cain's attitude now. If you remember, like I went through that whole recap at the end of the sermon, mm -hmm. going through how he, you know, didn't give God his best. He was complaining that God didn't accept his offering. Um, and so on and so forth. So, and there was not a, a single time where he took personal responsibility. Um, and so, yeah, just after sitting with it for a bit, I realized like this guy struggled a lot with anger and like some deep anger to the point of rage actually, mm -hmm. which led him to do something foolish. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What was, I mean, what was the, the core, you kind of just mentioned it, I think, but what was sort of the, the main point that you, if, if you can, you know, 30 seconds, you got everyone's attention right now. What, what does Cain and Abel tell us? Um, it, it tells us that if we don't own up to our mistakes and if we don't take personal responsibility for our actions, um, we, we will live a life of sin and, and we'll never truly be able to be honest with ourself and uh, be honest with our relationship with God and even lead us to do foolish things. Mm -hmm. So you talked about if you don't, if you don't take personal responsibility, you will always blame others and ultimately blame God. Yeah. 
how how does how does not taking personal responsibility end up with you blaming God? Yeah, so um, because if you read the script, scripture, it doesn't explicitly say that Cain is blaming anyone. Mm-hmm. If you really look at it, I mean, you see his parents; they were that is explicit. You go, okay, they're blaming each other. But in Cain, it, I think the better approach is he's really just deflecting, like he's he's not wanting uh, any eyes on him. Like I was speaking about yesterday. He was just uh, playing the victim almost. Like, poor me, woe is me. Um, Why won't you just accept and approve of me, God? Isn't my offering enough to you? Like, why do you expect the best? And and so um, I, I think just in his actions and in his words and how he treated there there is definitely that deflection which could be mm-hmm. translated into blame and um and, and you see it like he he's even at the end where he's saying god my my punishment is too much to bear mm-hmm. he's really saying hey god you're wrong in your logic you're wrong in your judgment because you gave me this sort of punishment mm-hmm. and and you can't do that. Like that's that's too harsh. What's kind of ironic is, uh, it it was at the end. It's saying he will be a restless wanderer, and a lot of people will be trying to kill him. Uh, it's just funny how he's the one who killed his brother, but yet now is frustrated that he has this kind of consequence. It's very ironic. Yeah. Well, and it goes to your your idea that he clearly was not taking personal responsibility because he's, he's not owning up to his mistake and what he did. But then when that potential consequence may fall on him, when someone else may do to him what he did to his brother, he says, whoa, this is too great for me to bear. Right. Nowhere in the story does he suddenly repent and realize, hey, I should have loved my brother. This was too much of a burden to put on him. And, and really, it wasn't even his fault. Like He was just jealous of his brother. His brother didn't Right. Well, at least from the story, he didn't do anything yeah. in this situation. Like he's really mad at his brother when ultimately he had like beef with him and God. And almost he, he's trying to say, you know what, God, I'm going to get you back. You watch. You, you have, you're, you're putting your blessing on my brother. Uh-uh. I'm taking matters into my own hands and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show you who's boss here. It's interesting because in scripture, we see some of this sort of like sibling rivalry to the extreme, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, we see this with with Joseph when his father favors him, Jacob favors him, and then his brothers sell him into slavery. Yeah. Like they were going to kill him. And then they're like, oh, we're going to be merciful and just sell you into slavery. <laughs> um, you know, you see this here in this moment. It's like, it just, the the leaps seem extreme. But I think to your point, if you refuse to ever accept that I'm in the wrong, then you're going to keep taking steps further and further down the road of like negative and, and doing things that are worse because it's, the first thing I did wasn't a big deal. It didn't matter. Right. So then I can do the second and the third and the fourth and the fifth. And we, there may have been more of a progression here um, that, that that's in play that we didn't see. But the bottom line is that he was okay hating his brother for his brother doing the right thing. And, and again, was sort of just, I don't know if he was trying to win God's favor or what, but yeah, just was not willing to see his own part in in the story. Yeah, and it, you know, this it, it really makes me think of the culture today as well. Mm-hmm. Like if you, it, it's that same idea of 
hey, I'm going to do this. I'm going to treat you this way. And it's not going to be in a good or healthy way. To me, it seems like that. But then the moment treats me in the exact same manner, no. Like mm -hmm. off limits, that's not okay. You're canceled. Uh, it, it's done. It's over. So it, it's just, it's so interesting how that same aspect that we see here in Genesis 4 is being played out right in front of us. All you have yeah. to do is turn on your TV and watch. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's good. Well, I want to go back uh, to, to sort of the story here and just talk uh, just briefly about what, what is, what really separated, you know, it starts with the sacrifice, right? They both make a sacrifice. They yeah. both make an offering before God. And, and God looks on Abel's with favor. Yeah. Now, Abel brought meat. Cain brought some fruit. Like, yeah. has God just like, listen, meat, good, <laughs> right? Like, I mean, what's, what's happening at the, at the core of, of, cause you mentioned this in the sermon, you said it's a heart issue yeah. ultimately. Yeah, I'm, well, I mean, think about it. If you're cooking fruit at home and the aroma goes out, it's not going to be the most pleasant. It might be somewhat pleasant. It might cooking be cooking fruit. Yeah, <laughs> who cooks fruit? <laughs> well, uh, vegetables. It's, maybe it's kind of that idea sure. here because yeah, they yeah. would place the offering. It would yeah. be burnt, and, yeah. and the incense would just go up to God, and he would he would. It's it was it's considered an aroma, mm -hmm. as the scripture talks about. And whereas, like the scripture even dives into like God's favorite was fat portions. Like think about bacon being cooked in your house. Like when you're in the other room and, sure. and you smell it, it smells great. It smells fantastic. There might be some people watching right now going, I don't like bacon. Well, sure. I, I'm sorry. Bacon's fantastic. But your wife uh, probably feels like, uh, <laughs> you know, this doesn't, doesn't work. Yeah, a little bit, a yeah. little bit. But um, I think uh, back to that, yeah, it's really, it, it comes down to that heart issue of um, Cain. Cain did not think of it as a, a big deal of, hey, God, I'm going to give you some of my fruits. Yeah. Whereas you see Abel, he's going out of his way to make it a, a, a habit to uh, just say, God, you are my first priority and this is your command. You tell me, hey, give me your first portion. It's kind of like what we see in tithing. This is, this is old school tithing right here. This is old school tithing. Yeah. And and. Like, like Dustin was talking about yesterday, God doesn't necessarily want our money. Mm. He doesn't necessarily uh, need the aroma. He doesn't need the smells, but he wants to see our hearts. Mm -hmm. And he wants to see if we're willing to step out in faith and sacrifice. Like, and it, and it goes with, I didn't get into it at all, but that the same goes with tithing. Mm. Like God wants our first and our best, not our last. Yeah. He doesn't want our leftovers. Cain gave his, he made sure that he was secure and all good to go. And then, hey, God, I got a little bit left over. Here's some of my fruits for you. Whereas Abel's like, I, you, you want my first? Here's my first. And actually, I'm going to give you my best too. Because it's the, the firstborn of his flock. So it wasn't, yeah, that wasn't your, your main point. It wasn't even really where you went. I mean, it was obviously there because you, you were talking about the heart issue that led to, that you see at the beginning, which ultimately you see play out in, in different ways. But, but that's the bottom line, right? Like God wants our hearts. He wants all of our hearts. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. This is the first and greatest commandment. And yes, that's a, that's a tithing conversation. It's a, it's a serving conversation. Yeah. It's, um, it's, a, it's a sin conversation because if we put God first, 
everything's going to fall into line. Like right. we're going to be obedient to him and we're going to be happy to do it. Yeah. And I think that's why, you know, Corinthians says God loves a cheerful giver because right. he knows that that heart thing is, is connected. Yeah. And I was, I was actually reading that this morning, believe it or not, God loves a, a cheerful giver. And, um, even it, it says right before that, like, don't give out of compulsion or guilt, like give out of a heart that is cheerful and excited and, and whatnot. And, you know, there's going to be moments as well to where we're not going to be cheerful about it. Like, let's get honest. Sure. Yeah. It, there's going to be moments where it's like, God, this is hard. Like uh, that woman that you see where Jesus says, hey, this woman has given more than all of you. And she gave her her last amount of money. I would imagine this is all speculation, but she was probably like, Lord, I'm trusting you here. Uh, I, I'm trusting that you're going to provide. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, and so I was just reading that this morning thinking that same thing of, you know, if I was, if I was put in the position, and there have been moments, but of really struggling, you know, my heart, my hope is that I would still be willing to sacrifice and and give to the Lord because he's been so good to me. Mm-hmm. Now, I get it. There's moments where we don't do that. There's moments where it happens all the time, actually. You know, the other big point I had was, you know, God wants all of our lives. This isn't just to do with tithing like you were talking about. This has to do with serving and in every part of our life. Is it is it the Lord's? Are we submitting completely to him? Yeah. Now, after this moment, God looks on favor, uh, looks looks favorably on Abel's sacrifice, not on Cain's. Cain starts to get upset. We start to see that something's brewing in him that's not healthy. And you talked about God's mercy, and you talked about God's mercy uh, in this statement. It was kind of a, a quick point, but I want you to expand a little bit. Because it said, Then the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. So talk, expand a little bit more on God's mercy in that statement. Yeah, I, I think from a reader's perspective, you go, we might be going, okay, he, he still came with an offering. Like he still came. So why, why would God be saying something like this? The reality, this is actually a big deal. This is a huge deal. And the, the fact that Cain's heart was just not there. He was not worshiping the Lord with all of his heart. And he was worshiping the Lord with some of his heart, but not all of his heart. And so you, de- you do see God's response so beautifully where he just says, hey, if you do what is right, will you not be accepted? Like just learn from your mistake and, and uh, uh, repent of it and, and, and move on and do what is right and you will be accepted. He, he sets it out there plain and simple. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he gives them a, a warning. He, he, he lets them know what will happen if he does not do what is right. If anything, that's another example of grace and mercy because he's trying to prepare him and say, hey, watch out, danger's ahead. Uh, I'm forewarning you right now. You still have the choice to do what is right. Yeah. And so there's there's two examples of grace and mercy in this mm-hmm. with God saying, hey, do what is right, you'll be accepted. And also I'm gonna let you know and give you forewarning of danger being ahead. I mean, it would be great if God came to me every single time that... Uh, I, I was doing something wrong or not favorable in his eyes. It'd be great if he said, hey, Blake, uh, 
you did wrong, uh, learn from it, you'll be accepted. Also, if you don't do what is right, this is coming for you. It'd be amazing if that moment happened every single time I walk with God. It yeah. doesn't necessarily though. So Cain is actually getting some special treatment here. Like God is still having favor on him and still loves him and shows that in a, such a beautiful way. And it really ends up, Cain uh, just, he could not accept the Lord. Yeah. God speaks with so much grace and mercy here. Just, hey, I want you to get this right. I mean, that's that's what is coming through, I think, in that that section is, I want you to get this right. And if you turn your heart fully to me, you know, again, goes to that, like, it sums up the law and the prophets, right? Like if you can love God with all your heart, with everything that you have, then things are going to be okay. But if you are not putting God first, then you're you're walking away from God, which is living into sin. This is what we talked about last week, right? Like that's that's what sin is. It's rebellion against God. And so he's just saying, hey, pay attention. What you're doing is you're walking away from me. Right. And when you walk away from me, then ultimately it's going to separate you from everyone else and from doing all the things that you're supposed to do. This is what your your parents dealt with. They did the same thing. And now it's it's right there in front of you and you have a choice to make. I, I think that's one thing that's important too, right? Because we we are all completely affected by sin. Like that came through through Adam, through Eve. Like mm -hmm. the one sin affects us all. And yet we're responsible for our own sin. And ultimately we all have these moments. And I think you did a good job in this one. And you know, we kind of talked about last week. Like you you mentioned that most of us, we need to see ourselves as Cain in this story. And and to understand that that sin is is crouching at all of our door. Like the enemy wants to pull us away from God's plan. So what what do we do with that knowledge? Like I mean we can hear that, but what do we do? Like what could what could Cain have done to get this right? What can we do maybe to to get this right to make sure that we don't follow the same path? Yeah. Like a couple things going on in my mind right now. If you have many people coming to you telling you you're in the wrong, there's a good chance you're in the wrong. <laughs> like I know some people who always think they're right. And, and uh, you have a lot of people going, hey, you're not in the right. And yet they still have that persistent attitude of like, no, yeah. I'm in the right. Everyone else is wrong. Everyone else is wrong. Sure. And uh, that's really what's happening here. Um, but, uh, ask, ask that last part again, that. Yeah. So how do, how do we, because I mean, you could, you could read this and you could read it for ourselves, right. To know that, Hey, if, right. if we do the right thing, like that's what God wants us to do. But sin is always there. The tempter is always there. Like we're always trying to be pulled in the opposite direction. How do we guard our hearts so that we're not doing what Cain did and taking the next bad step. Uh, but instead we're, we're turning like, how could Cain have turned and gotten things right even, or how do just how we do it, how do we do it? Yeah, I'll, I'll answer that. I think what's so interesting though, whenever we read narrative scripture, whenever we read big characters like Cain and Abel, David and Goliath, uh, these uh, Moses, these huge characters, we wanna almost insert ourselves into the good person, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I'm not. I want to be the hero. I'm not Goliath. I'm David in this story. I'm not Cain. I'm Abel in this story. You know, we we tend to do that as Christians of really just putting ourselves in the position of the protagonist. Mm -hmm. I think that the healthier reality, and I really 
pointed at it yesterday. That's why I probably ruffled a few feathers uh, of saying, hey, like you're Cain in this story. Because if we really just start to own that truth of, of going, hey, no, I am Israel that rebelled against God. Mm. I am Cain that rebelled against God. It's not a, it's not a means to constantly put yourself down. Mm -hmm. That's not what I'm saying here. I'm not saying beat yourself up mentally and emotionally, but I'm saying have a healthy understanding that the reason there's constant rebellion and the reason we constantly see this story, these types of stories in the Old Testament is because it, it's, it's really, it has nothing to do with us. If anything, we're adding to that rebellion and it's, it's trying to set up the main protagonist. It's trying to really help the reader understand, okay, we see a lot of bad happening here in the Old Testament. Who is the main character? And we don't see that until the New Testament when Jesus enters the scene. If we really have an understanding that, man, it's, it's Christ, he is the one. And I need to have a healthy understanding that I am broken and messed up. I have tendencies like Cain. And, and I just, I need healing. I need the grace of God over my life. We, I think at that point, we really start to understand the true biblical story. Yeah, which I mean, really sums up all, kind of all your points, right? Own up, own up to your mistakes, work out your grievances before they work you out. Um, don't shift the blame, uh, be willing to bear the consequences. Ultimately, that's pointing to an idea we talk about in church of repentance, right? Like that, hey, Accept that, yes, I'm, I'm flawed, I'm broken, I'm sinful, I'm in the wrong uh, so many more times than I would like to be. I have this sin problem like we talked about last week and you pointed back to, and, and, and I need to work that out because if I don't, I'm gonna keep walking down a path that leads to greater and greater destruction. Right. And, and that's what we saw with Cain that you point out, like he never was willing to take responsibility. And at the very end, he's like, oh, look at all these terrible things I'm gonna have to face. And you you correctly pointed out like, hey, look at all the things he did that led up to this. Like we shouldn't be feeling guilty for him, but I think you're right. We should see ourselves in this story and see an opportunity in that moment when the sacrifice wasn't made correctly, that God says, give your heart back to me. Hmm. If you give your heart back to me, things are gonna be okay. But if you keep trying to be your own God, if you keep trying to pretend like you can justify yourself, it's not gonna work. Yeah. You're going to continue to walk into sin. And I think that's, you know, that's something that's really important for us to get correctly. Yeah. And this is, this is the beauty of Jesus. The, the beauty of Jesus is that God himself said, hey, I'm going to provide the perfect sacrifice. Because mm -hmm. these Old Testament characters, they would always give these sacrifices that just, they weren't, it wasn't enough. It wasn't got to a point to where God was like, hey, you're sacrificing your sacrifices. They're not pleasing to me anymore. I don't enjoy the aroma anymore. This isn't it because you're uh, you're giving this to me, but your, your, your heart's still not in the right place. And so the beauty of Jesus is God is saying, hey, here's my son mm -hmm. who's without blemish, who is the perfect lamb, which you pointed to last week. And he is gonna be the greatest sacrifice of all because, and that's, that's great news for us, because all we have to do is put our faith in Jesus, live for him, and then we are set free. We are no longer prisoners to sin, 
we are considered at this point sons and daughters of the Most High, and and we get to live in this freedom now. This with still a healthy understanding of our sin, though. Mm-hmm. I think so often in New Age Christianity, we we almost we look at our freedom and almost abuse it too much, mm-hmm. to where we're we're forgetting that we still you know we have sin problems. We're forgetting to humble ourselves before the Most High, and. and we're stepping into this, hey, I'm a, I'm a priest, I'm a son and daughter of the Most High, but yet I'm not acting like it. Mm. I, I still, and it's just something I've seen. I don't know if that fully makes sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wish I can articulate it a little bit better and a little simpler. Um, makes sense to me, but. Yeah, we're not living in the identity that we have in Christ. We right. are a new creation, but we're living as the old. We're living in the flesh, and we're still allowing that to control us because it's it's the problem. In, it's one of the problems in Corinthians where he deals with like, hey, you guys have freedom, and you think that that means you can live for yourselves. That's not what freedom is. Freedom is the ability to live for God. Like exactly God has right. removed the blinders from your eyes and allowed you to see Him. I, I want to bring this up and kind of maybe wrap it up with this of. You know, you talked about Cain's, Cain's last statement is basically, this is too much for me to bear. Yeah. And there's a little bit of, of passing off the blame, like, oh, this isn't a fair punishment. But, you know, I was thinking about this and you kind of said this in your message. In some ways he's right. The sin is too much for him to bear. The punishment is too much for him to bear. And, and obviously there's a setup here that we, all of our sin, the punishment is too great for us to bear. It is rightfully ours but it is taken care of. So just give the simple gospel message here because I think that was your your final tie-in and you just kind of did, but do it again for me. <laughs> uh, yeah, and I that's that's the big picture. The, the reality is it was too much to bear. And, and so he was correct in his statement. He was very right, uh, but God knew that. Mm-hmm. He, he knew, hey, this punishment is too much to bear for you. That's why I'm going to send someone greater. I'm going to send someone who can actually bear this and bear it for you. Uh, and and that's the gospel message of Jesus Christ came down, uh, uh, left his heavenly realm and stepped onto earth and lived a perfect life and loved us so well and rebuked us when necessary and uh, and called out the people that needed to be called out brought close the, the people that were really messed up and didn't have it all together, but the people that really were wanting something more and who knew that they were messed up. I think that's the, the beauty of the gospel. I love the story where you have uh, the, the religious man and the sinner who walk into the temple. And the religious man pretty much says, I forgot which gospel it's in, but... He says, hey, God, thank you for making me the way I am. I'm so great. Thank you for not making me like these scum and these sinners. And, and he thought he was in the right. Mm-hmm. Whereas you have the other man who knew his, his flaws. He knew that he was in desperate need of help. And he walks in there and he starts beating his chest. And he's like, God, I, I'm not even worthy to look up at you. I, I, I shouldn't even be here I should be like f- as far as I can away from you because I'm not, I'm not worthy. And I think having that attitude of realizing, man, he's the only one who is worthy. We 
we should never have the attitude of, I'm so glad I got it all together. I'm so glad. I'm so glad that God has, hasn't made me like one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, it's actually, it kind of reminded me of the Super Bowl. There was a great Super Bowl commercial yesterday of uh, showing just all these like riots. And uh, I don't know if you saw it, but uh, there was just a lot of tension. And the whole big thing was like, Jesus loves the ones that we hate. Yeah. And I think, yeah, the, the, the gospel story is just realizing that every single one of us, whether we know it or not, we're in desperate need of a savior. Mm-hmm. And Jesus is the only one that can truly save us. He, he lived a perfect life and he died a death that we should have, we should have bore that consequence, but he did it for us because he had to, like he had to. Mm-hmm. He was the only one that could truly bring us back into relationship with God. And that when you put your faith in him, there's a promise that the spirit of God will dwell in you. It's known as a seal and a seal that cannot be taken away and you are guaranteed eternal life with him. And so that, that's, the, that's the beautiful thing about the gospel is that it's free. Yeah. Like it, it, there's no, it, it's just simply receiving the grace of God. But it's hard for a lot of people. And that's good. And I think we'll, we'll we'll wrap it up there. You know, next Sunday we get into the story of Noah and the flood and we see that this sort of evil continues to increase. God's people are decreasing and, you know, righteousness is decreasing and we see God saying, "All right, time to start it new. Let's let's kind of re, re hit the reset button." So, hopefully you will join us on Sunday at 9, 10 or 10:45, online at 10 or 10:45 or just, you know, at the very least catch the uh, podcast or the video afterwards and uh, be back next week. So, thank y'all for being here and we'll see you on Sunday. Yeah, thanks for having me.